Well, we're in John chapter 4 today, and beautiful story, an encounter with Jesus, with the woman at the well. What a beautiful story that the Word of God does it all justice, and we're just going to read through it today and see what the Lord would how the Spirit of the Lord would just teach us, what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us today because there's so many Jesus lessons, Jesus, simple Jesus lessons that we can, we can get from this encounter, this Jesus encounter that brings just great freedom and revelation in our lives. We're starting at John chapter 4 and verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6 to begin today. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Keep a note of that little passage right there. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from the journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Amen. You know, here we are in John's gospel, and for those who are learning these things today and John's gospel is a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's gospel tends to be a bit set apart, a gospel of its own, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke Bible term, the synoptic gospels, just meaning that they're all much more similar in nature, similar in time frame. John's gospel here tend to have stories that that only John wrote about. John's gospel, more than any of the other three gospels, will have independent stories, standalone stories that are relating to Christ and his encounters with people. Oftentimes, because John himself was the disciple that was known for leaning against Jesus's breast, and it was a very intimate relationship with all his disciples, but, but John seemed to have had even a more intimate relationship with Christ. And therefore, that intimacy of John's interaction with Christ tend to be translated into his writings about Christ, the stories that he covered, very intimate stories. Here we find one of these stories that John alone had written about, and 
just dealing with some of the practical aspects of this story because there are many aspects of Jesus' life and his ministry and his leadership that we're going to be able to get revelation from in this story alone, how it can impact our daily lives. Jesus, in this passage, interestingly enough, because it wasn't yet his time to go public to all the region, though he was publicly beginning to slowly minister and even people were being baptized under his ministry, it says in verse number one that because the Pharisees were hearing that Jesus made a decision, there was too much, there was too much noise that was happening. There was too much that was going on for him to stay at that location any longer. And he and his disciples packed it up and began the journey. And I love, again, Pastor Bailey showed the little clip of The Chosen the other day, but you can really begin to get a, a, a view, some sort of a view into the life in the ministry of Christ and his disciples as they would pitch camp and have to pack up camp and move on to the next location or leave a particular house and go to the next location. But here they were leaving Judea, heading towards Galilee. Just understand it doesn't necessarily matter anything to today's message. It just gives us a little knowledge. But, but Judea down here, Samaria right here in the middle, and Galilee above. Jesus originally from Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was in Galilee. These are provinces. And so in one sense, when Jesus says that he had need in verse 4 to go through Samaria, he had to, our first natural reaction, as is often which we will see in this encounter with this Samaritan woman, our first reaction to the things of God and to spiritual things is a natural reaction. Our first reaction is oftentimes a very surface level reaction. We can see the same thing with Nicodemus. That was a religious leader. Another story that John covers, it, he was a religious leader that obviously his first reaction to something that was very spiritual was, how can I go back inside my mama's belly? Right. <laughs> right? Our first reaction to the spiritual things of God and to, to the Holy Spirit moving and speaking in our life is, is oftentimes very natural. But Jesus' aim, and thankfully he's very patient with us, is to, is to get us past that, that surface level, natural, and even at times fleshly reaction and to get us into the truths and the things of the Spirit of God. And so that's what, even as we read, just leading into this story, just building some context around this encounter that's about to happen, when Jesus said, I had need or he had need to, to pass through Samaria, you could, on a very natural level, say, well, yeah, of course he did, because Samaria is basically in the middle. You basically have to pass through 
Samaria. Though there are ways to get around Samaria, interestingly enough also that we have no record of Jesus ever going and ministering in the province of Decapolis. Decapolis was where Jesus had both delivered and then sent the demoniac that he had set free in the tombs. He, he delivered him, set him free, and he begged to go. Jesus said, nope, you got a mission. You just had like a, a three-hour seminary training with me. You're ready for life. It took just a couple hours of being with Jesus and being delivered, and he was, he was ready for life's ministry. I mean, this dude, you know, he had no, had no background, no training, just bam, Jesus, deliverance, go to the province of the 10 Greek cities of Decapolis and begin to preach and tell people about me. So there was ways around, but we could very naturally say, oh, Jesus had to go through because it was in between. And I would first beg the question and put in our hearts, was that the reason Jesus had to go through Samaria? Was there another reason? Was there another God reason that Jesus had to go through Samaria. We pick up the story right there in verse number 7 where it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it you... Being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now the story begins to get interesting. The stage is set. The disciples, thankfully, are gone because all we do many times is get in Jesus' way. They're gone. Boom. Go shopping. Go get some food. You need a, you know, you need something to, you need new shoes. No, they went to go buy food, necessities, apparently. But thankfully, the disciples are gone. Jesus is sitting at this well, which has a, which has a spiritual history and a spiritual context. Jesus is Wearied from the journey, he's not riding a, a mule, he's not riding a horse, he's not being carried on the shoulders of his disciples. I mean, this Jesus is walking. 40-mile journey from Judea, roughly, to Galilee. They're somewhere in between. So he just spent the morning walking around 20 miles. When's the last time you did that? All right. Some of us walk every day. Maybe you, maybe you say, oh, for the last two weeks, I've accumulated 20 miles. Right? Jesus just spent the first morning walking around 20 miles. Got up early, and they hit the road. And he put in about 20 miles on that first just morning of their journey. And now they come to the sixth hour, which is somewhere, you know, 12 o'clock or so in Jewish time. So they're midday. 
They've been walking all morning. And there Jesus is. The stage is set. And this Samaritan woman comes out. Now Jesus asked her for a drink. And we're covering some, a little bit of historical context. Because there are those in the room today that are not aware of some of these things that those of us who have been walking with Christ a long time have become aware of already. But the Jewish people are, are God's chosen people. The Jewish people from the promise of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Jacob becoming Israel and so on and so forth. Here this Samaritan woman and obviously thanks to the, the hardness of heart of the Jews when Christ came and their rejection of Christ, we learn that salvation has then become accessible and available to all people. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You can say, thank you, Jews. I don't know if they'd appreciate that. But salvation will come to that God's nation. Being God's chosen people, speaking of the Jews, there were many instructions going all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 7, verse 3, and many throughout the word of God, that neither shall you make marriages with them, talking about other nations. Your daughter shall not give unto his son, nor his daughter shall take unto thy son, for they will turn for they will turn away your sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. You see, it's a, it's a little bit horrifying as we read even Joshua leading Israel into the conquest and into the possession of the promised land. We read of the stories of Israel with God's favor with them and upon them going from going from city to city, taking possession of the promises of God. So again, a little bit horrifying, but, but as we learn the lessons from these things today, we, we can then learn that, that nothing, even though Christ has bought it and Christ has paid the price, that taking and getting a hold of the promises of God is something that, that does require effort. It does require entering your promised land and, and grabbing a hold of God's promises for your life through Christ. You can't just sit around, do nothing, not pursue the Lord, not obey the word of God, not, you know, give your heart and strength and soul to the things of God and just expect for God's promises to just flow freely in our lives. And we get that picture now as we look at the possession of the nation of Israel, of the promised land. Joshua was even gave instructions at the end of the conquest in Joshua 23, 7, where it says, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the name of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. We, we now, as we even looked at last week and that Jesus, or a couple weeks ago, that Jesus' name is above every name. And it's Jesus' name alone that is to be exalted and glorified and worshipped in our lives as Christians. 
We do not embrace the concept of, of every God out there in the world today. We simply don't embrace it. We're not ugly about it, but we don't embrace. We embrace one God. His son Jesus has come making access to the Father, being drawn by the Spirit of the Lord. And Joshua told these people, and it's again, now we can see that in Christ, we have the ability to worship and follow one God. But they were not to associate themselves with these other nations. We are not to associate ourselves with other gods. And if you were to live overseas, if you were to live in some Asian context, which is what we're most familiar with, this is something that is, that is readily rampant on every corner, the opportunity to burn incense, the opportunity to enter temples and worship other gods. And, and somehow here in our nation, in um, United States of America, I was about to say America, but my kids always say because they're basically Asian. Why do, why do Americans call themselves Americans? Shouldn't they call themselves North Americans? So I got to clarify, the United States of North America. <laughs> the things that non-Americans think when they come into the, this nation. I have no idea where I just got to that from. But I know where I'm going. Idols, thank you, sweetie. Here in the United States of America, our idols might not be as obvious as burning incense at the local temple. But our homes and our lives have free access and rampant access to many, many different idols and gods in our life. In some cases, you could even say the freedom that this nation provides and, and even the prosperity that this nation provides for those who live in it, it would almost be more accessible than in some of the places that we've lived in our journeys over the years. Where am I going with all this? Well, the question of the Samaritan woman, which was the first response to this man sitting at the well, Jacob's well, obviously thirsty, obviously tired, obviously needing some help to get into that well because Jesus and the disciples did not carry a well bucket and rope with them. They needed some help in this area. And her first question was, why are you talking to me why are you talking not only am I a woman but maybe even more importantly I'm a Samaritan you see Samaritans in defiance to all those passages in Deuteronomy Joshua and Psalms that I just read the Samaritans were were known as dogs to the Jewish people they were known as dogs because they were a mixed breed because over the years and even way back when in one of Israel's falls to the Assyrians that there began to be this 
intermarrying that began to take place and there began to build families together with other nations and children began to come forth and next thing you know you have this whole Samaritan nation that was a half-breed nation whereas the Jewish people viewed themselves as as pure breed we're really the children of God you're just these half-breed dogs and again you can see this depicted some in the chosen so needless to say that the Jews did not or were not supposed to interact or associate with these Samaritans. The dislike was deep. The racism was at a height. There was both religious racism and cultural divide as well as ethnic there was a great barrier that was happening in between the Jews and the Samaritans. And, and wouldn't you know that Jesus ends up at this well with this woman who happened to go to this well, who happened to go to this well at a time of the day when, when nobody else tended to be at that well. Middle of the day, you think, you know, morning, Breakfast and all the activities of the day, maybe evening. But this woman, she lived in shame. She lived in hiding. She lived trying to keep herself separated from humanity because of the life that she had led up to that point. It was no mistake that Jesus had to go to Samaria. It was no mistake that Jesus went to this well. And it was no mistake that this just happened to be the time that this Samaritan woman came likely on a daily basis to get her water. John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, Ignoring, basically, her question as to why you're talking with me. Sometimes you just got to ignore people's responses. <laughs> you're saying something to them. You're trying to speak life. You're trying to get to them. And they, they come back at you with some fleshly, surface-level, you know, narrow-minded, blinded response. That's at the point where you just do this right over it and you go straight to where you were headed anyway. And Jesus said to her, you know, we stop there for a second. You can you can find yourself. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, this is a little piece of it's a little piece of wisdom. It's a little nugget. That, that if you'll take this little nugget, you will save yourself so much time and so much pain. Just ignore the stupidity that comes out of people's mouths sometimes. Just ignore it. If it's, if it's personable, personal, if it's off topic, if it's not what the goal of the conversation really needs to be, you don't have to engage every silly statement that comes out of somebody's mouth. I'm just saying. 
Be bigger. Amen. Go lower. That's right. Ask for mercy. Amen. Show mercy yes. by ignoring it. <laughs> Find yourself in a lot of unneeded arguments that are unproductive. Just get on point. Just stay on point. What's the Holy Ghost sent you there for? What are you there to speak? What are you there to say? Not to get distracted by, by meaningless, endless disputes. Verse 10. Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, so therefore you don't know it, but if you did know it, and who it is that says this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water and the woman said to him sir she goes to the obvious trying to distract again sir you have nothing to draw with the well's deep where are you planning on getting this water from anyway <laughs> telling him the obvious like Jesus knew that he didn't have a bucket and rope for the deep well, and he certainly wasn't planning on doing a nosedive into the well. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? Then begins to challenge him. Who do you think you are? You think you're something? You're greater than Jacob? And drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. You see, there was no coincidence again of the, how this stage was set. I mean, even the fact that Jesus was at a well to have this conversation. We can see in John chapter 7, in just a few short chapters here in the Gospel of John, that we all know the passage in John chapter 7, you know, verse 35, anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and hear this conversation, this encounter is happening here at this, this ancient well of the fathers. Engaging in this conversation more than many or most other conversations held by Jesus was a direct rejection of the traditions of men that had been established to that point. There was many times that there were many traditions that Jesus would, would soon be coming against. But this being one of them, again, that here they are as she was a woman no man, don't dare talk to a woman, much less don't talk to her alone. Have you lost your mind? A Samaritan. There's another place where Jesus teaches us in, in Matthew in chapter 15 when we begin to understand the traditions and how Jesus did not follow the expectations 
of people when it came to ministering to the needs of those he encountered. In Matthew 15, 1 through 3, it says, The scribes and the Pharisees were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat. Jesus, how dare they eat with dirty hands? Most of our kids would be in a lot of trouble all week long, and some of us would be in trouble. Some of us adults would be in trouble. Didn't wash your hands before you dug in. I would say that'd be okay in any place except India. <laughs> India, you want to make sure you wash your hands. Verse 3 in Matthew 15. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Thus, verse 6, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your traditions. You see, man's ability to manufacture traditions has the great potential of getting in the way of accomplishing God's plan and God's will for your life. Jesus had to, one by one, throughout his three and a half years, he had to dismantle traditions that were created by people. Not the command of God, not the word of God, in our case, not the gospel. Rules. Regulations that end up dictating our, our culture, end up dictating our society, end up dictating how we, how we even function and interact within the house of God oftentimes. It's a terrifying thing when we see how traditions over time can become fruitless religious acts in our life. Let me say that again. Traditions over time, can become fruitless religious acts. For those who get a little sidetracked when you hear me say religious act, don't confuse the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is based on a system of doing things, oftentimes just the traditions of man and oftentimes not even regarding the commands of the Lord or the commands of the Word of God. Whereas Christianity is all based on our relationship with Jesus. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, your relationship with Jesus. The weird but yet beautiful thing about each one of our relationship with Jesus 
is that how we walk out that relationship with Christ, each one of our journeys and our walks are going to vary a little bit one way or the other. They're going to look very unique. Each one of us. So don't confuse religion with Christianity. You see, Nicodemus, to reference him again, he was a religious man. Jesus actually, as seemingly scratching his head a little bit, said, Nicodemus, you, a religious leader, you don't know these things? Implying that these things were able to be known even prior to Christ's coming and revealing them. A religious man, you don't know these things? You're all surface level, crawling back up into your mother's belly? Come on, Nicodemus. Come on. Religion is all about the ceremony. Religion is all about the the outward perception. Whereas walking with Jesus is all about the heart. It's all about the heart. It's about having a heart that has been submitted to Christ. And having a dynamic relationship, meaning to say a relationship that is, that is functioning day after day, week after week. Just like we need to have a relationship with, our, with those who are, we're closest with in our life. You can't go weeks, days even, without that relationship encountering some stress or challenges. <clears throat> Sometimes... Intentionally breaking through the norm provides unique opportunities to arise in our life. Jesus intentionally brought himself to that well. He intentionally got those disciples out of the way. He was intentionally there at the time where she was going to come. And all this intentionality following the will of the Father, the voice of the Spirit, being obedient and willing to be where He needed to be, when He needed to be there, provided this life-changing encounter for this woman in this this journey-setting precedent for all of us. Journey-setting precedent. That sort of works. This is essentially what COVID did to some levels with us, getting us out of the norm. How God uses all things for His good, for our good, as the church is forced to reckon with our condition. We were and remain forced to reckon with the faith that we have to to step out, to even meet together and worship depending upon where you were at the height, to get out and get on to new waters, to get out of the walls and once again begin to let our voice be a voice for Christ in this needy, dying world. Verse 13. 
John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then the woman said, he's starting to get her attention now. He's starting, but her response is still right there, right there on the surface. Oh, oh, sir, give me some of this water that I may not thirst and not have to come here and work every day. Oh, she's still, she's still just like us, just just God is speaking. Jesus is speaking. Here we are. Jesus. Jesus is speaking. He's speaking. He's reaching. He's diving. He's pulling. He set the whole thing up. And she's just like thinking, oh, man, that would save me. That would save me a lot of work every day. <laughs> just thinking about herself. Just thinking about her daily schedule. Not yet thinking about her eternity. But we're getting there. We're getting there, and he's about to lay the, he's about to drop the bomb. Poo, he's like, before we drop the bomb here, understand, I mean, he, he threw out a lot of precious truth and nuggets, and he's like, man, this woman, she's just like, man, she's staying way up here. I'm trying to bring her, I'm trying to bring her. She's not going. So a word of knowledge, let's just throw out a word of knowledge, and that'll surely change the direction of this conversation. So Jesus said to her, and understand, Jesus is moving in a word of knowledge at this point. Holy Ghost, speaking, revealing, without measure, go call your husband and come here. You know, she thought to herself, he just got personal. He just, he just went there. He just went, he went there? He could have gone a few other, he went there? See, see that, he went straight to the heart of why she was even there by herself to begin with. Why she was isolated, why she was ashamed, why she was rejecting humanity. He went straight there and it was with a word of knowledge. All of us having the ability by the Spirit of the Lord downloading into your life the ability to speak words of knowledge to people in your life. This is not just a Jesus alone trait here he has now poured out his spirit and made this accessible as the spirit so disperses among the church call your husband the woman answered and said i have no husband now she's lying well she's actually sort of telling the truth actually she was telling the truth but jesus had to get to the heart of it well you have actually told the truth at that one he said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the sixth one, 
that you're with right now is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir? <laughs> Nothing like a good personal word of knowledge. Sir? I perceive you're a prophet. Because <laughs> how else would you know that about me? But that's, we're not going to dive too much into that today, but just the, this woman's state and God's determination to reach her. Yeah. Jesus' determination to reach her. It's an illustration of his determination to reach each one of us. This woman was content in her thirsty state. She was thirsty. To keep the conversation about ethnicity and about spiritual heritage and about race and culture and prejudice. She was content with keeping the conversation at that surface level this was a encounter that was full-on racial in her mind it was full-on cultural it was it was there was nothing right about it in her mind and here Jesus is showing from for all of us that Jesus was willing to to break through all of those barriers he had to set up the scene right to get even his disciples were going to be a roadblock. They weren't going to get it if they were there. They were going to be a distraction. But Jesus ignoring her distractions, creating a platform that he could speak truth and have this encounter. He was going to get the spiritual breakthrough in her life. He was going to get it. Yes, he made it personal. Oftentimes, we're so afraid to get personal. Look to the person next to you and say, you got to get personal. If this isn't personal, what I'm talking about today, then what is it? If it's not very, very personal about our eternal state and, and our journey upon this earth and the, the wounds that we've encountered that's keeping us away from God, if it's not personal, then what is it? We want to keep things oftentimes nicey-nicey and surface level and let people sort of just sit there and be invisible and don't dare, you know, cross over that, that invisible, you cross that line and I'm going to deck you. That, don't cross over that line. But if we do it with the right motive, if we do it in the Spirit of the Lord, if we do it for the sake of of the person's eternity. Jesus wasn't there trying to be mean. He wasn't being ugly. Now you can get personal by being ugly. That's not what I'm talking about. If your only way to get personal is getting ugly with somebody, stay impersonal. <laughs> I don't know if did I say that word right. Don't get personal. There we go. 
If your only, if your only result is like just doing something, saying something sassy or getting ugly or whatever, just, just stay out of that topic until you're actually in the Holy Ghost. Getting the Holy Ghost first. Peter said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he spoke with boldness. Get yourself a fresh touch from heaven before you go getting personal with somebody because Jesus' motive was not to be ugly. It was not to push her down. It was not to throw her past in her face. It was not to make her feel even more lousy about herself. All those things she had successfully accomplished on her own. She didn't need any help. Oh, got you. Nope. Ah, oh, let's try you. Ah, nah, I need you. That, ah, that, that. And you know what kind of lifestyle that, that led to? The surrounding of that sort of life. But the Holy Spirit, without measure within him, gave him a word for this woman. He was moving in the power of the Spirit of God. Don't forget, Jesus walked and moved in the power of the Spirit of God. He walked and moved and ministered in the power of the Spirit of God. So we've got to be a people who get bold with intentional, even careful, but bold in the Holy Ghost when we get personal and begin to speak into people's lives around us. I'm going to get personal for a minute with you. When's the last time that you've been able to knowingly be given a word and go and boldly speak it into somebody's life. It takes intentionality. It takes walking with Jesus. You see, Jesus was showing us how to, how to journey and how to walk and how to minister. When all of a sudden you find yourself, you're in a, Situation, this is one of a thousand, but you find yourself in a situation and next thing you know, you're, you're looking around and it's you and somebody else. And you're like, oh Lord, help me, how did I end up alone with this person? <laughs> where, did, where did they go? Quick, come back to my rescue. That's me, maybe not, maybe not you. Because I tell you, I'm scared to death half the time. But then all of a sudden you get a, you get a revelation. You get, a, you get an understanding of how the Holy Ghost sets us up. Yes. How he sets us up to be vessels yes. for his glory. To be vessels to speak life to people. Yes. With this word that Jesus spoke to this woman it was breaking the power of her guilty conscience in her guilty past from off her life. He needed to not only set her free so that she could begin to believe in him, but he wanted to break her loose from that guilt 
that she'd been carrying for all those years that had her isolated. She was well known as we come to find out. It's not like these were towns of millions of people or even tens of thousands and a lot of them. But one word from Jesus addressing her in her guilty state, her guilty past, not trying to be ugly, but trying to bring freedom, to bring hope, breaking through the prejudice of Samaritan and Jewish borders and boundaries, breaking through the, the cultural barrier and even the traditions of men don't dare talk to another woman breaking through even you can put the gender relations between a man and a woman in there Jesus broke them and broke through them all even breaking through the acceptance of race because the disciples came later as we see in when they came in verse 27, they, the disciples came and they said they marveled. They marveled quietly. <laughs> they were going to keep their mouths shut. They're like, oh, he sent us off for a reason. It says they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one dared say, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They were thinking it. But they certainly weren't going to say it. Jesus was breaking through all these divides. This single encounter with Christ and the Samaritan woman reflects many aspects of all the same issues that we're facing in our day and in every generation. Jesus is setting a pattern for us as to how we are to live and how we are to minister and the things that we're to ignore and, and the, the boundaries that we're to break through and how we're to take somebody in their brokenness and in their guilty state and how we're to speak words of life and uplifting power of the Holy Ghost and give them once again hope for tomorrow, hope for their future. We finish this story in Verses 19 through 26. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet, and our fathers worship on this mountain. Then she goes all spiritual. See the levels here. First she's just first she's just like surface level, just carnal. You don't have a bucket. Why are you talking with me, man? You're a dude. Now she's like, Oh, you're a prophet. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go spiritual on him. I'm going to go word on him. Still no, there's no, there's no breakthrough. There's no revelation yet. She's like, oh, our fathers worshiped here in this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place of worship that we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman. You know, she wants to go all, all religious. Isn't, isn't that just like what people want to do? See it, hear it, listen today. People want to do this every day. Of our lives. You want to start getting down and, you know, I want to say down and dirty, but you want to start getting down and clean. 
down and dirty just doesn't really work. You just want to get down and get in it about salvation and forgiveness and Jesus being the only way. And, oh, yeah, I, I go to church and I, you know, I, I was baptized when I was a kid. And, you know, and people want to go. Well, that's similar to what she's doing here. Oh, well, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say we're to worship in Jerusalem. What, th- what say thee thou? Surface, religious, it's coming though. It's coming. He's getting there. He doesn't change the context of the conversation by getting personal with a word of prophecy. And finally, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation comes of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is. Look at somebody next to you and say, and now is. It was is before Jesus even finished his work. It was already now is. So it's like, it is now is, capital is. Or maybe capital now, I don't know, you know, caps all noun. Now is. We're in the time when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth, meaning to say that we worship the Lord. Yes, we worship Him here on this mountain. We worship Him there in Jerusalem. We worship Him here in this church. We worship Him in our homes. We worship Him while we're on sitting on the throne. We worship Him while we're going to work. We worship Him while we're driving down the street. We're in this constant state of spiritually seeking our Heavenly Father in truth, in the Word. We worship in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And when it says the Father is seeking such, it's not just seeking a type of people, but it's seeking a type of people that will worship Him such as this. Continually. And at all times. And finally we get there. And the woman She builds up her boldness and her confidence. She digs a little deeper and she says, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. You know what I believe she really wanted to say if we wanted to put this in just American terms? She wanted to look at him and say, Are you him? Are you him? Something finally through the surface, through the religion, the words of Christ, the words of the Holy Ghost, the persistence of God. Keep on knocking. Just keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. And all of a sudden, she got it. She's like, are you, are you him? Are you him? And lo and behold, Jesus chose to reveal himself as him to her. He chose to reveal himself as him to her. Woman, Samaritan, six supposed husbands. That had been a lie the whole time. He ignored it all. You are the one. 
that say, I am him. You want to talk about breaking cultural and racial and prejudice and religious borders? breaking down the walls. Here Jesus was going public with this Samaritan woman. And I tell you, this is when her knowing everybody in the city came in handy. All the guys and everybody else knowing her because she went in there and said, hey, hey, come, come, come see quick. Come see quick. This dude, he told me everything. He told me everything. He told me everything about my life. He told her one thing. <laughs> one thing. He told her one thing. He told, that was like some good preaching there. He told me everything. Man, I caught a fish. The red fish was this big. It was a throwback. He told me everything. And she started preaching. She started preaching. Just close your eyes. She started preaching. I met him. He found me. He spoke to me. He revealed to me the state that I was in. And yet, he spoke to me. He spoke to me. He spoke to me. Me, he spoke to me. And people started believing. Amen. Started believing because of her testimony. Amen. They started believing because of her words. Amen. Started believing because she was certainly a changed woman. Started believing. Because he spoke to her. Even when others wouldn't have agreed, they wouldn't have given their stamp of approval. Even today, we fall into these religious traditions. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help each one of us, Lord, to break through the barriers, to break through the the racial and the cultural and the religious and the prejudice divides, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Lord, let us be vessels, vessels that you speak through to bring hope and life, to bring salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus, just if you would, stand to your feet, please. And as you stand, just give me just a couple. I know I'm just preaching and just don't know how to be quiet, but just give me a couple more moments. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes, everybody in this house. There are those in this house today that have not had that breakthrough from religion to relationship. You even, you're supportive of religion. You speak positively about it. You would never say anything negative about Jesus or Christianity or the Word of God. But you personally, personally, on the inside, 
you know that there's no relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you some good news right now. There's some good news right now. If you didn't hear it already, I'm I'm confident you may have heard it already. But just like Jesus came and sought this woman out in all her guilt and all her shame and all her religion, Jesus came and sought her out and he spoke a word to her that changed her life forever. I want to speak this word to you that will change your life forever. Today, if you open up your heart, open up your life to Jesus Christ, not as a religion, but as a personal Savior, and you just simply welcome Him, you could say invite Him, but I believe He's inviting Himself already. You just need to welcome Him. The invitation has gone forth. Open your heart. Open your life. Every person in here, just just nobody looking around, nobody getting distracted. Right there where you're standing, I'm speaking directly to you. Right where you're standing, I'm speaking to you. Just open up your heart right now. Just open up your heart. That's all Christianity is. It's opening up our heart to Jesus to receive forgiveness to receive the Holy Spirit into our life. He comes. He moves in. He moves in. You got a new roommate. He moves in immediately. He doesn't even wait for you to clean up everything first. He'll, he'll, start, he'll start the disinfection once he gets in. He moves in. Into your heart. Into your life. And he begins to transform you into the image of Christ. Your old life is gone. And you have a whole new future ahead. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to just lift up your hands. If I'm speaking to you, I'm going to just pray with you right where you are. Right where you are, I'm going to pray with you. Just lift up your hands unto the Lord and open up your hearts. And just say these simple words with me. If I'm speaking to you right now, just speak these simple words, not to me. Speak them to Jesus, because He hears. Say, Jesus, I welcome you. I'm going to give you another opportunity, some of you that I'm waiting for. Say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart into my life Jesus I ask you forgive me of all my sins forgive me of all my past release me of all my guilt I welcome you into my life now one more thing just lift your hands one more time Lord, I just pray for each person here today. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord, who just moved into their hearts, 
would just fill them with his power every part of their life that not one crevice of their life would not be filled with the glory of God in the days the weeks the months the years ahead until we stand face to face with you Lord Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus I ask you to fill every person in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus God we give you glory we give you glory and honor fill every every converted heart Lord in the mighty name of Jesus every hungry heart Lord in the mighty name of Jesus hallelujah 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 somebody give the Lord glory here today hallelujah 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 <laughs> oh yeah 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 now what I want you to do, we're going to just conclude now, but that just simply means that if you need to go, you're welcome to go. You're welcome to go eat. You're welcome to leave. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I bless you. I appreciate you for being part of this family. But anybody who has just a few more moments, especially if you just made that prayer, that commitment, just if you could take a few more moments and we're just going to press in. We're going to press into a time of a prayer. If you prayed that prayer, if you want somebody to pray with you, just come on up here at this altar. If you just need prayer today, come up here to this altar and we're just going to press in today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.